You know, most problems in healthcare are fixed already. Primary care is already cured on the fringes. Reversing burnout, physician shortages, bad business models, forced buyouts, factory medicine, high deductible insurance that squeezes the docs and is totally inaccessible to most of the employees. The big squeeze is always on for docs. It's the acceleration of cost and the deceleration of reimbursements. I want you to meet those on this show that are making a difference with host Ron Barshop, CEO of Beacon Clinics. That's me. Burnout solutions are not tricky nor even worth studying, in my opinion. It's a non-debatable fact. Today, we have a guest with one very elegant solution. So the 2018 Medscape Physician Lifestyle Report is sort of famous among burnout freaks, and it reported that nearly two-thirds of U.S. doctors are burned out, depressed, or both. PCPs are the burnout champions. They hold four of the six top titles in the list, and if you're a female PCP, sadly, you have the even higher rates. So here's some burnout facts that are a little disturbing. As we now know from UK research that they lead to unsafe care, it's no surprise. Um, burned out doctors are twice as likely to provide unsafe care and, and have unprofessional behavior. And medical errors are now 10,000 daily and are a top three leading cause of death. And it's a little bit uh, sketchy science because we know there's 200,000 plus deaths linked to medical errors, but we don't know if the number 420,000 more accurate because coroners have different requirements in states to declare the cause of death uh, being a medical error. So we really don't know, but it could be as high as 400. Does it matter if it's one 737 Boeing crashing daily full of passengers or three, really? Because there's no real gala for medical errors like there is for heart and cancer, the top two causes of death. There's no social media campaigns. There's no rallying around of posters. There's nobody talking really about medical errors and espousing for those folks. And if it's one in a thousand people in America, maybe you don't even know anybody that's died from a medical error. Maybe you don't even know that that's the reason they died. Because burnout also feeds PCP shortages, which feeds burnout in a mad cycle as patient satisfaction and interaction drops. Factory medicine then ensues and burnout results. It's a crazy cycle. So burned out docs, they're three times more likely to receive low patient satisfaction and can lead to cardiovascular disease among for that doc, depression, suicide we know, alcohol abuse, and worse. The problem gets worse as the doctor shortages are going to grow, and as an aging population, the silver tsunami feeds into the medical community with greater and greater needs. About two-thirds of them have multiple conditions, so the need for physicians just grows, the burnout just grows. So how do you as a PCP end this madness? Well, it goes back to the business model and direct primary care is a nice, sweet end around to that as our ancillary income companies like my own little self-interest there. So you got to change a bad business model that is primary care You need to change the game. And let me, when I mean business model, you can literally score any business on a one to 12 score. Models can get points, for example, for having a low CapEx, capital expense, a low OpEx, operating expense, low government regulation, that ain't medicine. It can have inelastic demand like insulin, for example. And so you can literally score models for point each for these 12 different categories. Today's guest changed the score of a bad model, not single-handedly, but he is certainly a leader 
and he's doing a lot of good. I want you to meet Kirk Ember. You've heard that last name before because Josh was our guest a few shows ago. He's known as the chief growth hacker at Atlas MD. He's also known as the transition expert extraordinaire and your easy button. I love it. His role here at Atlas MD is a broad range of duties, and he specializes in transitioning existing fee-for-service practices to direct care, as well as working side-by-side -side with docs who are largely unfamiliar with the model. So in essence, he'll make converting to DPC a downhill slide instead of an uphill battle, and he charges zero. Kirk has extensive experience in hotel and restaurant management, and he's taking that experience into the medical suite the hospitality industry and the medical suite have a lot to learn from each other. And he's there to really revolutionize care. And he works with clinics on every detail at every step of the way. And he's done this now for 600 clinics and counting. He ultimately wants to help doctors expose the inner servant heart to their patients. Uh, he splits his downtime between Kansas and Colorado with his family. And he does things like Hiking 14ers, golf, but not at the same time, do you, Kirk? Golf and 14ers? No, no, not very well, okay. anyways. Well, that would be an interesting one. I bet the ball really flies at 14,000 feet. It it does, just soars with yeah, that thin air. It's like Superman. <laughs> well, let's, yeah. uh, let's talk about your role in medicine. It's really quite a pivotal role because when you have 1,200 practices and you've helped open 600 of them, that's a meaningful number, isn't it? It is. Yes. I mean, we, but you know, we we're very blessed and, and, um, honored to be able to help that many docs. Um, you know, it's, it's not anything, uh, special that, uh, it's not, not that we're so smart or anything. It's just, uh, you know, how can we help others not reinvent the, the wheel and, uh, you know, avoid any mistakes and things that we learned along the way. And when each day learned along the way, you and your brother, were starting Atlas when there might have been a handful of DPCs. They don't even call it direct primary care probably 10 years ago, did they? Yeah. I mean, there was, there's the concierge uh, level of, of practices, uh, you know, usually typical costs, you know, 10 or 20,000 a year type thing. But, um, you know, we really wanted to come up with something that, that was affordable to the masses and, and to the people who actually have to make every dollar uh, stretch. Yes. And the beautiful thing that I like when I go to your website and talk to your brother is that the panoply of services that you offer are really more than most DPCs. So even in the, you're not in a competitive world, you get a full panel of 600 patients and you're closed for the, for the year. But as you uh, start closing your panel, you keep adding more and more services. So there's literally dozens of free services that go from everything from bone density scans and EKGs and heart devices you can wear. And there's also wholesale meds at cost plus 10. And then there's also cryotherapy, some exotic things. So you guys just keep adding more and more services to your suite. It's really uh, pretty cool how you do that. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, as we were uh, looking for uh, you know more things to add and we and always are, you know, when we were looking at things like an EKG, for example, uh, you know, if we were going to add that, you know, what would we charge for it? And it's like, well, I, I don't know if we need to charge for it. The, you know, the, it costs 36 cents to, to do a, a 12 lead. So uh, what's the point? Um, you know, the coffee in the waiting room was 50 cents. So, uh, you know, we're not charging for that. So uh, it was the, the idea was how much value can uh, we add to the membership and continue to add value? Yes. Which is really a cool approach. A lot of folks are looking to deny services, not add, and y'all are doing nothing but just putting more in there. Um, so Kirk, it's interesting. How are people finding you 
uh, to get these free consulting services to launch their practice? Are they uh, uh, online? Are they friends of a friend? How are people identifying you're the guy? Oh, I mean, uh, all, all of those things. It's it's uh, sometimes it's um, people who unfortunately just you know reach the the brink and and they just can't take it anymore. And like you had mentioned earlier, you know, the physician burnout is uh, you know a, a real issue. And so some will you know stay up all night watching. YouTube videos, or they came across something and, and, uh, or listening to podcasts and things. So, um, you know, and then they'll, they'll reach out cause we're very open and, and we're, we're an open book. And, and that's the only way to, to help grow this thing is to, uh, be transparent and help other docs, but could be, uh, uh, docs who maybe started in, in have a DPC in their town. And they, they spoke with a doc there and, and got them in touch, you know, with us to help them go through, uh, everything on setting up the practice. You know, I live in Medical City, USA. I live in Houston, Texas. We have 12 DPCs here, 12 lousy DPCs. I'm saying they're good DPCs, but they're the number is lousy, 12. And if they're all serving 600 patients and they're, by the way, none of them are full, they're all taking patients. You take 600 times, call it 20 docs, you're still at a tiny, tiny fraction of Houston. There's a lot of room for this movement to grow, isn't there? Oh, tons, tons of room. Yeah, that's, I think, uh, a common uh, misconception is that there's, you know, there's not enough uh, patients to go around, um, or that if if you're open in a town, and then another doc is thinking about doing it, that you two would be competition. And and that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, we've helped, uh, you know, clinics open right down the street from us. And uh, it's, and they're booming. So it's, one of those things where you're, you're not competition, you're actually allies and, and you can help each other in, in ways that you never thought uh, imaginable and, and working with local uh, imaging centers on uh, getting uh, better rates for services and things like that and can maybe uh, do some joint marketing efforts and things like that. So you could have two docs who are less than a mile apart from each other that are the same demographic of doctor and things like that, but they're going to attract two very different levels of patients. And so uh, every doc's got their own style and and patients will join up with with who they like. So You know, I'm not a uh, doctor, but I am a business guy. And the only weakness I see in the model does not seem to be solved with what you're doing in one respect. If, for example, each of these entrepreneurs and each of these 1200 Kool-Aid stands had a unified offering, you could go to employers and make that uh, employer much more interested in talking to you because you can give them multiple locations because their employees live all over town. Now, Wichita is a small town, but Houston is, you can drive two hours and not get anywhere sometimes. So, <laughs> True. You know, yep. you know, in two hours, I'm outside of Kansas and two States over, but you, you sure can. That's yeah. right. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. I think the, uh, and, and as the movement grows, uh, I think that will be become less and less uh, of an issue. And, and I, I feel like it's almost like a, um, you know, a potato sack race. When you got two people in there, you, you, you know, you, one person can only jump so far before the next person has to jump. And, and so, uh, you kind of have to coordinate your, your steps to, to get across the finish line. And so I think as, as more, uh, DPC doctors, uh, get into this model and as the movement grows and, and gets more attention and things, then I think they'll, we'll see more of that level of interest from, um, either mid to large size businesses and things like that. And, and so it will kind of just work in tandem, um, uh, in, in my opinion. So the only Sir William Wallace I'm seeing on the horizon for you guys 
we've interviewed Clint Flanagan and his philosophy is a little different from yours and your brother's is and that he has what he calls the ranch and he's got 60 clinics in five or six states. And he's, if you're in Colorado and you're an employer, you're not going to have any trouble finding a clinic to put one of your employees or that they will pick. And, um, it, you, there's really nobody uniting the clans in the rest of the DPC world where there's a, again, single offering. You can call it 20 different practices, 20 different names, but if you have 20 different prices and 20 different service offerings, that gets a little bit more tricky. It does. Um, the, and, and some of that will be a uh, state limitation as far as services they can offer. Um, almost every state will allow for physicians to dispense medications in-house, but there's about six that don't. So there, there could be some uh, clinics that are located in states where they can't offer the full service uh, for something like that. So some of that's going to be state, some of it's going to be uh, personal to the physician, even if they are in a state where they can do some of the full offerings, they may not either um, be comfortable with doing it or, you know, have the manpower or anything to, to do it either. So it's, it's kind of the, uh, the pros and cons of it is that it's going to, it, it attracts docs for maximum autonomy of their practice and full control, no middlemen or anything like that. So it, it's kind of hard to, when you have a doc who's that interested in, in that level of freedom, it's kind of hard to make them st- take a step this way and say, okay, but now we want to rein in a little bit and stuff. So it's a balance for sure, but um, a not impossible one. Let's talk to about the issue of specialists. Now, a lot of specialists are tuning into this show going, thanks Barshop for talking about PCPs again, but it is called primary care cures. But how many times a month are you getting a call from specialists saying, I think this might work in my specialty? Well, um, you know, probably a, a handful per month. Um, it, it's definitely less than than the number of calls from uh, primary care doctors, but the I, I think the specialists are are running into the same issues too. I don't think it's it's unique to primary care a, at all. And I think those those specialists who are, you know, really really passionate are are saying I'll do anything. I'll I'll find a way to to make it work. And it's, what do I? What's the? What are my options? So. Um, usually it's, it's going to be a, a little bit of a different model. You kind of have to tweak it a little bit from, uh, the normal DPC model because it, uh, with specialists, it maybe lends towards, uh, maybe a mix of membership, uh, or short-term, uh, memberships and one-time services and, and things like that. But, um, not, not impossible. Um, you know, it's just, it's all an equation. And, and so, um, just putting puzzle pieces together in the right way can make it happen. Um, now, I'm going to assume these two categories are no-brainers for direct primary care. I would assume that a family practice and an internal medicine doc have no problem joining the movement. I would imagine a pediatrician's a little different because the fees are quite a bit lower and the children aren't quite as sick. Um, how many pediatricians are joining this? Um, you know, it's 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 there's a, a big interest from pediatricians. I, I think the comparatively, the the number uh, or the percentage of pediatricians operating in the model now is is going to be significantly less than the number of family med or internal docs doing it, but um, uh, but that it, that's growing all the time. And so, in a way, with pediatricians, it's it's unique where, like you said, they they may not be be sick as as often. So, where whereas we do the pricing as um, at, that goes up through the age ranges. So, so the kids are actually the least 
expensive at $10 a month. And then it goes 50, 75 or a hundred for adults. Pediatricians, what I've seen is, is some of them will actually kind of flip that. And so maybe the first from zero to 24 months is say $50 a month. And then from ages, you know, two to five is 35 a month and things like that. So, uh, Brian, Dr. Brian Hill, uh, with gold standard pediatrics, great example of that. Um, been doing it for years and, and he's been very successful with that pricing. And, and so in a way it's in the first two years of life, that's when you do have the most, um, you know, especially new moms and things, there's more opportunities for things to come up and they need more care and stuff. And especially with vaccines and, and all those things. So, um, but as they get a little bit older then the pricing, you know, uh, gets a little bit more attractive because they don't need as many visits and things. So, whereas our pricing goes up as you get older with pediatricians, it actually goes down. Does your price um, go down with shorter people? My chief revenue officer is about five foot tall. So would his price be 50 where mine is, might be a hundred at six foot. Yeah. One? It's just, it's straight in half. Yep. So it's <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Just asking for his behalf. He's my buddy. Uh -huh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Half as much to take care of us. I mean, just that's math, true. Yeah. Your math, as you said. So let's talk for a second about the OBGYN world. They mm -hmm. um, often are doing women's well health. They're having well health visits. They're not all seeing pregnant mommies mm -hmm. or, you know, freshly birthed babies. They're they're treating women who still need to get their bone densities looked at and deal with all the women's health issues that are out there that I would imagine OBGYN's lesser but it still must be a comer in your world. Yeah, there's um, interest from OBGYNs as well. And there's a handful that are operating in a, a, a DPC-like model now and um, doing very well in things. So again, it's it's the the same services and, and value that, you know, you do as much as you can for uh, your patients and, and things like that. So uh, and, and those patients run into the same issues that anybody else would in a normal insurance-based practice, uh, you know, short visits, uh, not, you don't get all your questions answered. You're, you know, th three to six weeks out for uh, an appointment and things like that. So, um, that's almost the time that you need that you need more time is, you know, either when you're pregnant or, or you have an issue where you need to talk to, uh, someone who specializes in this. And what, so what's interesting is, um, we actually, we use a, a DPC doc, in uh, Wichita, and we uh, just had our second baby um, about three months ago, and uh, we this was uh, with our second baby. We were able to use a DPC doc for all the uh, prenatal care, uh, even the delivery, and of course now the the post uh, delivery care. And named uh, Dr. Nick Thompson with uh, Antioch Med in uh, Wichita, and it was the best experience ever. Uh, I mean, our our first appointment was an hour and a half, so. We had, we had more time in our very first prenatal appointment than 13 of our other appointments with our first daughter in, in an insurance-based practice. I'm just telling you that third, three, that three month is going to mess with your uh, golf game for sure. It, it sure is. It, but my indoor putting has, has gone up. So yeah, <laughs> well, <let's laughs> got to be within an arm's reach of responsibility. Let, let's talk a bit about the perfect practice. If you could design the ideal DPC practice, would it be a few college roommates. So it's a FP and she's getting together with her uh, DO roommate in college with her OBGYN in college. So that they're setting up a threesome that they can handle pretty much any kind of primary care case when it walks in the door. Is that the ideal practice? 
You know, uh, a, a lot of it, you know, what, one of the, the best bits of, of advice I ever got was define success. So what, what does that success look like to you and to this person and this person? And cause everybody's going to have a, a different uh, version of, of what they want and things like that. Um, if you were drawing it out on paper, yeah, starting out with, um, one doc is, is absolutely perfectly normal and happens all the time. Um, but we're starting to see more clinics that are opening, um, at the same time, maybe with the partner in a second position and, or, or more. And, uh, so you know, years ago, it was maybe a little uncommon to see a new practice start out with two. Now it's, it's a much more common. In fact, you see it w with two, three or four docs that are all going to uh, decide to do it at the same time and, and help each other out and things. Um, lots of benefits to having multiple uh, physicians and things such as covering if uh, somebody needs to go on vacation or somebody maybe has a special interest in uh, something that one of their patients needs help with. So there's there's lots of uh, kind of, you know, cross um, pollinating, if you will, but, but helping each other out and, and, uh, and, and healthcare can be stressful. It's, it's, uh, you, it's always better to, to be with somebody that, that gets it and, and someone that you can work with and, and figure things out together and stuff like that. And so I think that's, that's why, you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun for us because the, so many of these docs that are doing it by themselves, you know, they, they feel like they're out on an Island, you know, by themselves and stuff, but that's, that's, you know, why we're here is to help them and, and show them that you're not alone. There's lots of people doing a huge community and, and get them in touch with other people, maybe even in their area or on Facebook and things to, um, you know, help, help them get started. Well, there's your heart of a servant right there on display. <laughs> well, let's talk for a minute about the first step. Somebody's calling in and I'm going to imagine their first question, Kirk, is going to be, I'm a little nervous financially to let go of my security blanket. It's pretty comfortable, although I'm miserable in it with my burnout and all my other factory medicine issues, and I'm going to have to sell someday soon. So I stay. I want to stay independent. I kind of got in this for autonomy. I don't mm -hmm. want to lose that. So is their first question a financial question? If so, how do you get them through that fear? Yeah, yeah. So so uh, I, I would say that m most every time on, on uh, the first time that they've you know reached out or are looking into it in the early stages, it stems from one of three um, places. It's the first concern that you already addressed is the, is the financial. So they'll say, um, you know, I, I just don't want to lose money. And so we, we walk them through all the, the steps to setting up the best business model, uh, working on, on tweaking their overhead and, and ways to maximize that. There's a great book, uh, uh the lean startup and, uh, basic premises is, is buy what you can afford now because there's always room to upgrade and things later. So, um, let's, let's, let's focus on keeping your overhead low and making, you know, fast and nimble. And, uh, b because yeah, there's medical debt and, or there's uh, school loan debt and there's house and, and kids and everything else that is added. So the idea of taking on more debt can be very daunting, but, um, it, it, you can dispel that with, uh, you know, setting up the, the best business model with the proper math and, and things like that. The second one would be, well, I just don't know how it's good for me. And, and so that's easy to explain where, where you've got, um, more time with the patient. You've, you're being able to address what you, know, you truly got into medicine for and, and you've got less, um, headaches because you're now not dealing with any insurance, 
at, you know, at all. You're completely free from all that. And uh, you're able to uh, treat patients the way that you want, not the way that uh, the insurance dictates and, and things like that. And then the other is, okay, well, so if I, 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 now I know that I won't lose money. Now I know how it's good for me. How's it good for the patient? And, and so again, that's, well, you've got your, now you're offering uh, the maximum care available to this patient. They're not having to self-restrict care by any means because every time that something comes up, they have to decide, well, is this worth the copay or is this worth going to the ER or something like that? So there's all these issues and, but then you, you add on top the uh, unlimited visits, no copays, free procedures, and then wholesale pricing on meds and labs. It's, it's one, two punch. I uh, spoke this morning with a friend in Austin named Veronica Pike. Maybe you know her. Uh, she just launched ultra, ultra private healthcare with NPs. So her model is going to be because of her NP network and all these 22 states now allow NPs to act basically as MDs. Um, they are going to be launching. I think you're going to be seeing a lot more PA owned and NP owned um, DPC clinics. Is any of that coming your way? Yeah, I've seen more of that, uh, particularly in those states, like you mentioned, that are um, that where they can have the full autonomy of their practice and maybe where it doesn't require, uh, you know, an MD as part owner of the business or anything like that. So um, I, I know that probably scares a lot of um, other people in the movement and things. But uh, I, I think as long as, you know, they're practicing within their scope and, and have proper supervision and things like that, then I, I think there's always room for them to add value to patients. You know, if I was, I am not this person, but if I was the uh, owner of Haven, which is the merger of Amazon, uh, Berkshire mm -hmm. and uh, JP Morgan's health initiative, I, you know, I would just put all the money out there and say, look, all you guys that are scared to take the step over the bridge. I'm going to take care of your salary wise. And we're just going to start a giant, massive DPC movement. Some of them will be inside uh, factories and workplaces, and some of them will be in rural areas. And we're just going to solve this problem in America right now and just cut out all these middlemen that are feeding off the system. I, I think the math I saw most recently was there are 16 backups, hype men that are backing up every MD transaction. So you've got a lot of administrators and biller coders and et cetera, that are in on the game. Uh, that aren't actually directly involved with healthcare. Oh, and that's that's why it gets so uh, you know inflated and and things because everybody has to touch it along the way. And and you're right, it's just you. But you you cut all that noise out, and you find out that it's it's really not that necessary. You know, we're 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 trying to um, you know we're taking all these extra steps when when we can just take a straight line and say nope, we're just going to work directly with the patient, and you don't need all that. So. Um, I'm sure, you know, even 16 is a, a conservative number on, on the amount of, you know, administers and, uh, people involved on the billing aspect. And, so. and I can't wait till y'all come out with data. I don't know if anybody's studying this, but the burnout stats among PC, uh, DPCs has to be pretty close to zero. I know the suicide rate is zero, but y'all have such a small population. It's hard to tell yet, but it's also unimaginable that somebody's going to, uh, leave, you know, the burnout world into the non-burnout world and th even think about suicide. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy thought. Well, yeah, that's what, you know, I, I bet the malpractice uh, just loves it because, or I mean the, excuse me, the life insurance companies just love it because, you know, that's the, uh, the, you're right. There's uh, less uh, burnout. Now, of course, you know, owning any business is, is uh, going to be a labor of love. So, you know, there's going to be some, uh, you know, harder times uh, than others, but you, you try and imagine what, 
your your life was like in the in the insurance world, you know, there it, that's not getting any better. And and there's there's no light at the end of the tunnel for 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 that world. It, it'd be one thing if they said, well, in 2020 we're going to you know cut half of the you know um, regulations. Okay, well the, you know, then that's a light. But but no, it's it's the opposite. It's, it's double. Um, you may be familiar with uh, Dr. Lee Gross uh, down in uh, Florida. Fantastic doc. He's in charge of the Docs for Patient Care Foundation and and DPC Action and everything. And he had a a, a post on Facebook that, that got a lot of uh, popularity recently. But so so Medicare had uh, just released a an update or a, an explanation for three new rule changes that were going to be coming out to that were supposed to help simplify um, you know the the burden on physicians. And the for those three rule changes, it was three thousand pages pages of explanation. Yeah. So so he so his comment was, you know, that wow, well we well we simplified healthcare down to three pages, you know, with a with a trifold brochure. And in fact, I think it was only a double sided brochure. So um that's that's how um far you know far of a separation there is between the two worlds. I was at a medical group managers association meeting yesterday in Houston and a VA spokesman was saying, Hey, we're going to take all these patients, these 9 million patients out to you guys. Now, unfortunately we only pay one times Medicare and, um, and you have to use this new software that's extremely burdensome. and doesn't talk to anything else. It was a hilarious talk. Like, why was that guy even there? <laughs> wow. Anyway, so let's yeah. talk for a minute about the the slow growth. Now you, you and I had a little joke the other day. You said it's blowing up. And I said, yeah, blowing up from 10 when you started to 1200 today, but 1200 out of a half a million PCP still seems like not blowing up. It's what's going on. Why is there not 20,000 guys and gals out there doing this? It seems just so logical. It does. You know, I, I think the, because when, when patients hear about it, they, they love it, you know, and, and some of them, you know, they, they get it right away. There's, you know, I've got a membership for so many other things in my life that this makes sense. And, and healthcare is so hard to navigate that, that this is a breath of fresh air because it, now it just got simple. So, uh, but, and, and doctors are like that too. They understand it, that it's, it's going to be, uh, that it's, it's such a better model. Um, there's a lot of, uh, financial protection and, and you're not under the, the thumb of, of, you know, the bukas and, and all the contracts and things. So, uh, so where's the disconnect? I, I think right now it's, it's education. And, and so, um, educating both sides of the, of the market, if you will, that, that patients and docs and, and, you know, uh, similar to, um, you know, Uber or anything in the early stages, uh, you know, you, you had to educate drivers so drivers could be aware that they could get paid for picking up people, but then you had to educate people to be aware that they could be picked up by drivers and stuff. So, um, I, I think that's, that's the, the challenge right now. And, um, it's getting better all the time that education, just with all the, the news and things that come out, you know, uh, just back in June, they signed the executive order, um, initiating the aspect of getting uh, direct primary care added onto the list for HSAs and things like that. So, and direct primary care, I mean, it's, it's as good as a brand name. Um, you know, you would never see, you know, Nike in an executive order. So uh, it, it was, you know, things like that, that happen um, just always are, are huge uh, pushers for education and things. And so I think it's, it's not about speed, but it is about momentum. So what is your message to the primary care world if you could fly a banner over America to 
wake them out of their stupor of burnout and corporate medicine and factory medicine and all of the medical errors and all the clicks and pointing, what would you say to that doctor? I mean, this is, this is how you save your career. Uh, I mean, this is how you, you save your life in, in some instances. Uh, th- this, is, this is what is preventing people from quitting medicine altogether. There's, there's people that are, are in, you know, uh, first or second year of residency that have, have dropped out. Um, you know, they, they said, you know, my dream career, my dream life of, of caring for people and patients, uh, I'm just going to throw all that away because the, the, all the obstacles in between that are just not worth doing. And, and the, the, the opposite of that is true where people say, I, I was on the verge of, of quitting medicine and, and of all ages, this is not, you know, younger adults or older adults. It's, it's true for everybody. I was, um, you know, some people say, well, I was close enough. I was just going to retire. And they say, no, this, this revitalized my whole life. And, and, and so now you're, you're on a normal schedule, you've got better work-life balance. And, and so, and for a lot of docs, be, you know, you can make more money and, and, you know, business money's not bad and, and, or anything like that. But I think it, it it's, it's better when it's combined with a, a good business model and where you're providing a huge value to your patients, you know, so there's, I forget who, but some quote about, well, they, they say you can't eat well and sleep well, you know, meaning, you know, that you're, if, if you're eating well, then you're, you're hurting somebody in the, in the, um, process, but that's not true. And in, in this model, you, you can eat well and sleep well and, and be thrilled at the level of care that you're giving to your patients as a physician. You know what you're doing in Wichita that's not happening in, for example, Boston. So my son and daughter-in-law are recent graduates from a Harvard hospital. And guess what their exposure was to DPC or primary care practices with very nice ancillary income? Zero. They didn't get one half a day, one hour, one even lecture from anybody with an alternative model to the hospitalist model. So the best and brightest that went in to the factory wanting primary care, walking out as hospitalists because they don't know anything different or any better. You guys in Wichita are having a six to seven month panel of residents flow through your practice to see how it works and answer any questions. And just as you have been today, super open. And um, I think that's what's going to move the dial as you get exposure to these young residents that are nobly going in for the right reasons and getting turned out on the back end and forced and with no exposure into uh a brand of corporate medicine. You're right. And, and, and we're, you know, you're seeing a little bit more of uh, some residencies that maybe will have some, <clears throat> some DPC docs that'll come in and speak on it and things like that. But then there's others that are, are very shut off to the idea. Um, you know, so it's, it's interesting to see that. And, and just like you were saying, you know, they, well, they, they want to put them in and, and sign them as a hospitalist or hospitals and, get them on this, you know, crazy contract and, and things like that. So people just, you know, move through the assembly line uh, without being told, Hey, there's another way. I wonder what and, happened if you're a resident you can, at that hospital and you say, you know what, I want to go see this practice in Boston for a day and one turn there, one res- rotation there. I wonder what mm-hmm. they would say. I can't imagine they'd turn a resident down who's listening to this and wanting a change or wanting to see something fresh. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's always interesting, uh, you know, we're, we're very open to having anybody come, you know, visit of, of any level of medicine and med students, you know, all the way up to seasoned, uh, you know, 30 year plus career docs and, and things. So yeah, it's, it's amazing just to, when you see it in action and, and things like that, you're like, wow, well, this, this is great. I, I can see myself doing this. This is, this is simple and, and gets to, you know, hits to the heart of why I got in medicine in the first place. So let's, um, 
give your email out is the easiest email I've ever interviewed. It's Kirk at atlasmd.com. Is that right? Or is it Kirk dot atlasmd? Uh, it's it's uh, Kirk at atlas.md. Okay. So we're going to just erase that whole previous thing. It's Kirk at atlasmd. That's how people can find you. Well, thank you for being on the show. And I hope this uh, motivates a few people to come your way. Of course. Thank you for taking the time to put it all together. It's always fun. You bet. Thank you for listening. You want to shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One, go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.